Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke and chapter number 23. The Gospel Record of Luke and chapter number 23. We have finally got to the pinnacle, the climax, the important event of all of history inside of the gospel record of Luke this morning as we covered the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, before he was arrested, had been abandoned by all of his disciples. He had been betrayed by Judas. When the officials came to arrest Jesus, the rest of them scattered. Jesus Christ was all by himself when he went <coughs> and faced this trial. Peter, standing afar off, denied Jesus three times. They put Jesus in a legal trial, then put him before Pilate, put him before Herod. There he was scourged, he was mocked, and then he was put up on the cross of Calvary where he died for your sins and he died for mine. Now, if you don't mind, as we have Jesus hanging up on the cross, the Day is coming and approaching to end fairly quickly. Let's see what happens as we pick up the rest of the story. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 23. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 23. And notice with me starting at verse number 50. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number <coughs> chapter 23 and verse 50. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel and the deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also he himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went up into Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewed in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And the day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and beheld the sepulcher how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day according to to the commandment. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 23? The gospel record of Luke chapter 23, and notice with me in verse 52 at the very end, the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. And with this, as the body of Jesus is the central theme and the idea here, we find a man who comes up who becomes very important to the story, a man by the name of Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. And so with this, we're going to tie in the body of Christ and see a little bit about this man that God had raised, Joseph of Arimathea, for this time and for this place. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm just asking that you would open up this passage in a special way, that you would help us to have understanding, that you would help us to have 
just much wisdom. Help us to see through the light of history beyond just the black and white of the words, Lord, and and envision, see what's going on and that we could learn what a big deal this was at this time and at this place. Lord, this message was birthed in the study. It was so exciting. Now once again, Lord, it needs the birth of your Holy Spirit to be born again, that it could be a help to the hearers, help to them. And I'm trusting your spirit to do your own work the best I know how. I surrender myself, my thoughts, my ambitions. I give you my health. I give you my mind. Take them all. And Lord, you just get your own work done as you see fit. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ has died on the cross. Now there were some important issues that needed to be handled. First of all is that even at the special uh, was at even time, remember the Jewish day started at evening. The evening was a special Jewish holy day of the Passover. This would actually be a time where they would prepare for the Passover, the special Passover day. Uh, typically, the Romans would leave the victims on the cross. It would take a person three days to die up on the cross, and they would usually die of asphyxiation. You see, as they were up on the cross, their chest cavity would be bent over, and they would have to pull up on their arms and push up on their legs in order to take a breath, and then they would sag back down. It would take about three days for the uh, body not to be able to breathe well, for the carbon dioxide to slowly poison the body, and it was a very painful, awful way to die, and it was a drawn out process that the Romans would be glad to have someone dying there. If body parts fell off they would let the dogs eat them and they would just use them as a sign for everyone to know do not mess with the Roman government that the consequences are very dire don't mess with the Roman government. However because the Jewish high holy day is coming up and the Sabbath the preparation day was upon them. They were going to take that Friday as a very special uh, Sabbath preparation day and then they would uh, celebrate the Sabbath of the Passover. So there was two big days coming up right here. And in order for it to remain to be a holy uh, day for the Jewish people, they needed to get the bodies off of the cross. They would make sure that it would be taken care of before evening. Now the Bible tells us how the Jewish people didn't want the bodies hanging up on the cross of the holiday. And so they went to go pay uh, to plead with Pilate to get the bodies down. Well, before they could take the bodies down, the bodies needed to be killed. And so the other gospel records explain how the Roman soldiers came. And what they would do is they would break the legs of the people up on the cross. And so they broke the th uh, thief one. And they broke the legs of thief two. And this was to make it so that way they couldn't pull up and take a breath. And what they would die of they would die of asphyxiation much quicker because they could not get enough oxygen inside of their breath. However, when they came to Jesus Christ, he was already dead. They were amazed by it. And so they did not break his leg. By the way, fulfilling prophecy in Psalm 22 that his bones would not be broken. Now the issue now was already compounded is that there was not anyone to claim the body. If the body was not claimed, it would end up being taken off of the cross and be thrown into the fires of Gehenna. There would be no resurrection without a burial. 
And so this would be a big thing. Someone had to claim the body. Now normally a family member would take the body after the, off the cross. However, at this time, the Joseph, the stepfather, has already passed away. At this time, Joseph's half-brothers, which include James and Jude, none of them have trusted Christ. They would not believe Jesus was the Savior until after the resurrection. So they would not dare claim the body. The disciples were too cowardly. They wouldn't want to admit that they were a follower of Christ because they may get crucified if they admitted that. They are staying away. Mary, the only family member that's around, is being taken away by John, the disciple, because they're trying to protect her. And Jesus has given orders to, for John to protect her, take her away. She is not going to claim the body. So what is happening here is all of history is now, and all of God's Old Testament prophecies are teetering on the balance. Waiting for someone to claim the body. But no one is there to claim. The disciples can't claim. Jesus' family won't claim. Mary's not available. No one is there to claim the body. And it's looking like as history is going on, as things are going on, because the body is not going to be claimed, that his body is going to be thrown into the fires of Gehenna, the ever-burning trash heap to the south of Jerusalem. The thing is, is that there are many scriptures that have to be fulfilled here. Psalm 16 verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to suffer corruption. Isaiah 50 and verse 10, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Something had to be done right now. If not, the prophecies of the Bible could not be fulfilled. Jesus is dead, so he can't do anything. The family will not do anything. The disciples are helpless. How can the Bible be fulfilled? And yet, as we study the gospel record of Luke, we've seen that everything has always run right on time. When Jesus needed an animal to ride to make his triumphant entry, that there was one already prepared, God was right on time. That when Jesus needed to go and have the last supper with the disciples in the busiest day when everything is booked, there was one available. In fact, the best room in the city, God was already on time. God had already prepared. God had already knew things. God wasn't rubbing his head and wondering how things are going to go. Everything is already well in hand. In fact, notice with me in Luke chapter number 23. And notice with me in verse 50. Notice the first two words. And behold. And behold. This idea behold carries with it, if we were to say it like this, watch what happens now. Here's the body of Jesus Christ. It's up on the cross. No one's there to claim it. It looks like it's going to be thrown into the fires of Gehenna. It looks like all is lost, these prophecies. And God says, watch this. Watch this. And behold, there was a man named Joseph. Joseph was a secret disciple who God had prepared for such a time as this. If you don't mind, let's notice this biography of Joseph. This biography of Joseph. Now may I tell you that here it is rare for a biography to be listed about 
anyone in detail such as this. Right in one place. Notice what the Bible has to say in the gospel record of Luke 23 about Joseph. We learn a couple things. First of all, we see he is Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. Arimathea was a Jewish city. In fact, you see that in verse 51. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews. Now, we're not positive of the location, but the most common guess makes it the same city as Ramah. And if you know your Old Testament history, Ramah happened to be the hometown where Samuel had made his home. This ancient city, the home of Samuel, the city of the Jews. At some time, Joseph had left Arimathea and moved to Jerusalem. We know that he moved there because he owns a tomb there. He had moved close to the city and he put his burial site where he had lived at. Something else that we learn about Joseph here in verse 50. And behold, there was a man named Joseph a counselor. A counselor. This word counselor is an important word here. It denotes that he is a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the ruling, uh, the ruling um, priest and prophets, Pharisees of Jerusalem and of all Judea. They're the ones who oversee uh, the religious um, rules and regulations and uh, oversee all the legal matters within all of Judea. And Joseph was a member of this council, a member of the Sanhedrin. But whereas normally the Sanhedrin has been the enemies of Jesus Christ, notice we learn something else about Joseph here. And behold, there was a man of jo uh, named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man. A good man. Now, why is this significant? Because apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph of Arimathea is the only one within the gospel record of Luke that God calls good. That's a big deal. He is a good man. Notice this, and just. This word just carries the idea of righteous. By the way, we had noticed that the centurion earlier had glorified God, said certainly he was a righteous man. That earlier, just a couple of verses above, the centurion recognized that Joseph of Arimathea was a righteous man. Or, or that Jesus was a righteous man. A couple of verses later, the Dr. Luke registers that Joseph of Arimathea was a just man, a righteous man. His righteous heart insisted that he do righteous deeds. Why was he a good man? Because he was righteous. This idea of righteous carries the idea that he was right before God. He was someone who had trusted Jesus as a Savior, had his sins forgiven. He had a heart to live for God. He was a good man. And he was just. Something else that we see about Joseph of Arimathea is that he was also a Bible man. He was a Bible man. Notice what it said about <coughs> our Joseph of Arimathea <coughs> in verse 51. The same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. He is waiting for the Messiah to establish the kingdom of God upon the earth. That here is a man who had studied his Bible and he was anticipating and waiting for God to send his Messiah to come. He was a Bible man and someone trusting his, his promises. Here was a man who had spent his life waiting for that kingdom to come. That kingdom where Jesus would rule. He was a Bible man. 
Something else that we learn about Joseph of Arimathea is that Joseph is an honorable man. He is an honorable man. You don't have to turn there. The gospel record of Mark chapter 14 verse 43 says, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor. He was an honorable man. He was honorable in his dealings. His word was his bond. He did what he said. He was a man of honor. Something else that we saw about Joseph is that he was a popular man. He was a popular man. What do we say about this? Because in verse 52, this man went into Pilate and begged the body of Christ. That here, he was someone that had (coughs) enough pull to get an audience with Pilate. He was elected to be the businessman, or as a businessman, he was part of the Sanhedrin. His main thing was to be in business, and as a businessman, he had moved from Arimathea with his business, was so successful in business, and did so well that he was able to get a spot in the council of the Sanhedrin and become someone of influence. And not anyone could just go into Pilate and say, hey, can I speak to Pilate? Especially in a busy day that Pilate's already had and with the Jewish uh, preparation day right at hand, not anyone could get an audience. But Joseph of Arimathea was a popular man. He was a businessman, part of the Sanhedrin. He was someone that was able to get that appointment and influence with Pilate. We see something else about Joseph. He was a rich man. He was a rich man. Notice... (laughs) In verse number 53. He took, took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher hewed with stone. Wherein never man was laid before. Now tombs cut out of stone were very, very expensive. There's one thing to be able to dig a grave. And there was another thing to kind of build a mausoleum. But this was actually built into stone. And it was carved out of stone. It wasn't dug into. It was dug or dug down, it was dug into, and it was cleared out. This is a very, very expensive endeavor. In fact, it was so expensive that normally when someone would have a um, mausoleum or something like that, they could put a stone in front of it, but to have a rolling stone, that was a very expensive thing. And he had built this tomb for himself. This is where he was going to lay out. He was a rich man. Something else that we learn about Joseph is that he was a secret disciple. He was a secret disciple. You see, Joseph had watched all of this. He noticed what it said in verse 51. And the same, speaking of Joseph of Arimathea, had not consented to the counsel and the deed of them. Now remember, he's actually on the ruling council of the Sanhedrin. But the Bible says that he had not consented to the council and the deed of them. He was not in agreement with what the Sanhedrin had done. He was not in agreement with the things that had been done. We don't know exactly what that entailed, whether he wasn't invited to the illegal trial, or while he was at the legal trial that he tried to object, or maybe while he was in the legal trial, he was in the back watching the proceedings, not consenting. But whatever it was, he was not consenting. But he was part of the Sanhedrin, And he would have been silent. Nobody had really known that he was one of of the followers of Christ. 
Now think about this. At this time he had been silent. At this time no one has known. And think about everything that it went through. And none of it had caused him. For this time he was a secret service Christian. He was a person who was in the background. Think about the messages that he heard. He must have heard lots of messages. And certainly no one had preached like Jesus. But it wasn't the messages of Jesus that caused Joseph to reveal himself. It wasn't the miracles. Jesus had done plenty of miracles. And without a doubt that Joseph of Arimathea had been present for some of the miracles. But it wasn't the miracles of Christ that caused him to expose himself and to present himself. He still hid in secret even after the miracles. It wasn't the exemplary life of Jesus and how Jesus had lived a perfect life and was an example. It wasn't the life of Christ that caused Joseph to out himself and expose himself as a Christian. What was it that forced him to give a choice? It was the cross of Calvary. It was at the cross of Calvary. He was confronted with a choice. What do I do? Jesus' body is hanging out there. No one is going to claim it. I've got to do something. And he had to make a choice to go to Pilate. Joseph had been silent for three years as the religious establishment built its case and, and continued with its hatred against Jesus. And now, Joseph of Arimathea begged for the body of Christ. In fact, the gospel record of Mark chapter 15 and verse 43 says that he went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Christ. You see what the cross of Calvary does? Is that the cross of Calvary could turn a timid man into a bold man. The cross of Calvary can change people's lives. So many people give a testimony that let me tell you, I couldn't speak. I was so timid. I was so shy. I stuttered. I couldn't say anything. But the cross of Calvary got a hold of them and now they're able to speak to others. Where did their boldness come? It was from the cross of Calvary. Realizing what Jesus Christ had done. It was the cross of Calvary that had turned Joseph of Arimathea from a secret disciple to someone who is going to respond and re- at this time. That at this time history is on the verge of seeing what's going to happen. Prophecies are on the verge of not being fulfilled. The body of Christ is this close to being thrown into the fire of the valley of Gehenna. Everything is hinging on this one man. This one man to step from being a secret service. This one man from being silent. This one man to finally take a step for such a time as this. For this time in history, he is the one to fulfill it. Jesus' family will not fulfill this. Jesus' disciples will not fulfill this. There is only one man to do this. It's Joseph of Arimathea. It's his decision time. Which now brings us to Joseph's decision. As we look at this, we know that Joseph goes up to Pilate. But you understand that this decision is going to cost him everything. Joseph's decision would cost him respect and honor of the world. At this time, why was he a secret service Christian? Because he was part of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin hated Jesus Christ. As soon as he exposed himself that he was a disciple, a follower of Christ... 
a good chance he was going to get kicked off the council. A good chance that he himself could be crucified if he exposed himself. They were looking for disciples. They were looking for people to pull aside. They're, they're on fire. He, Pilate has just sentenced a man to death. To go to the man who sentenced Jesus to death takes a lot of bravery. There's a lot of things to lose. He could have made this choice and it could have cost him his very life. It would have cost him his position of esteem. A lot of people would look at Joseph differently now because of this. Once he makes this decision, everything changes. The council looks at him differently. The Pharisees look at him differently. The Sadducees look at him differently. The followers of Herod, the Herodians, look at him differently. Pilate looks at him differently. His business partners look at him differently. In fact, another thing is that it would cost him friends. There's a lot of people who will not hang out with him. A lot of people won't associate with him anymore because he has chosen Jesus Christ. It would cost him financially. Remember, he made his money from being a businessman. And being a businessman who now exposed himself as Jesus Christ. Remember, who had the stranglehold on all of the life of the Hebrew people? The Sanhedrin. And if they turned their back on Joseph, he was going to lose contracts. He was going to lose business. He was going to lose a lot of finances for it. He was also going to lose his tomb. Which now brings us to this, Joseph's tomb. You know, Joseph was put there for such a time as this. God had put Joseph. God had been preparing Joseph. He had made him here. This person for this time. There was no one else. And God had put him there at the right place at the right time. No wonder said, God said in verse 50, And behold, watch this. You think everything's lost? You think everything's falling apart? You think that Satan's won the victory? Watch this. And when everyone thinks there's no one to claim the body, Joseph steps out from the shadows. I'll take him for such a time as this. We see Joseph's tomb. Notice this in verse 53. So he begged for the body of Jesus and then he, Joseph, took it, the body, down. You understand that at this time, Jesus Christ has been scourged and crucified. His back has been bleeding for hours. When Joseph takes down the body of Christ, he has to go with permission from Pilate, has the Roman soldiers around, other people around. The, muddy, the mud that has been created because of the blood of Jesus, he has to step into. He has to take the nails out and then take the bloody corpse, blood still draining, that spills on him. You understand that this is a big deal because for the Jewish people, the Passover is the biggest day. And he has now made himself unclean. He will not be able to participate in the Passover activities in the next couple days. Because the, he's now touching a dead body. And just beyond ceremonial unclean, there's blood on him from a corpse. Draining upon him and his clothes at this time. 
This is a big deal. He (coughs) took it down and wrapped it with linen. A linen is a single piece that's cut into strips so it can be wrapped around the limbs. It's not a shroud. It's an actual piece of linen that goes around and around and can be put around the limbs. And so Joseph has made himself unclean. The Bible gives an account that he is anointed with a hundred pounds of spices. Now why is this so significant? Because this enormous amount is usually reserved for a king. Verse 53, And he took it down and wrapped it with linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewed in stone wherein never man before hath laid it. Here we see that it was Joseph's own tune. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 60 says it was Joseph's own tune. He had it specially dug out for himself. Why put it in his own tomb? Because this is a couple hours before Passover. There's not enough time to dig out another one. And there's not enough time to buy another one. There was only one tomb available if he was going to be buried properly. And Joseph laid it in his own tomb. One that had been never touched by a dead body before. No wonder God says, and behold. You see, God had prepared a man, the only man who can go and get the body. And not only was he the only man, he was the only one who was had a tomb available and was willing to allow Jesus to be laid into it for such a time as this. This is wonderful. Time was so short, he put it there. Joseph had money and he had status. You know, the crusty fishermen of the disciples of Galilee, they wouldn't know how to bury a king, but Joseph did. And God had prepared a man who knew what to do with the body of a king to treat him correctly. Now, the tomb that Joseph had, it was large enough to stand up to. It had little niches in the wall that was to allow multiple bodies to be placed into it. Normally, a body would be placed in a tomb like this until it decomposes. Then the bones would be gathered together, and then they would put, be put in an ossuary box. And then the tomb would be able to be used for a new body. But this tomb was a new tomb. No body had ever been laid into it. And by the way, after this, no tomb would ever be laid into it afterwards. Why? Because according to Jewish tradition and law, that any criminal buried, no other person could be buried in that tomb as well. And Jesus was tried and sentenced as a criminal. He was hung next to two criminals. He was crucified as a criminal. No other body could be laid into this tomb after Jesus had been laid into it. Think about this. Time was running out. Verse 54. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. As I said, this isn't a normal Sabbath. It is the Passover feast Sabbath. This is a big deal. Now just when you think this is it. Well, just when you think, alright, we got the story down. God reveals that there's something else here. You see, Joseph had been a secret disciple and he hadn't exposed himself. But when he did, the courage of Joseph gives us a conclusion of a different story in the Bible. The story of Nicodemus. 
in John 19, 39, it says, And there came also Nicodemus, which came at the first, came by Jesus at night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. So as Joseph takes the body of Jesus, and he is starting to prepare it, someone comes up behind him and says, Hey, you need help with that? He turns around and there's old Nicodemus. He says, let me help you out. And Joseph, because of his bravery, it spurred another secret disciple to expose themselves. For such a time as this. Now, normally, we pass over this story. We read it, okay, Joseph. But you understand, this is a big deal. We should not miss the fact that Joseph's story is told in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is very rare. Do you know that even the Christmas story is not shared in all four Gospels? Very few stories make it in all four Gospel records. Calvary, of course, is mentioned four times. Jesus entering into the city is four times. The disciples claim they will not deny Christ four times. Jesus exposes Judas, Gethsemane, Peter's denial, Calvary, and the empty tomb. The only other account shared in all four gospel records is the feeding of the 5,000. And of course, the story of Joseph. You see, when Jesus was ready to come the first time, God had prepared a Joseph. When Jesus was ready to die from this world, he had prepared a Joseph for such a time as this. We should remember that the tomb was only buried. Jesus had a borrowed manger, a borrowed boat, a borrowed beast, and a borrowed tomb. But Jesus is only going to need this tomb for three days and three nights. And then after that, he's going to rise again for such a time as this. You know, God does not do anything by accident. God knows what he's doing. He prepares a person and he prepares a place. He prepares someone and designed them for such a time as this. You may not think that you have much to offer. You may not think they have the great skills. But let me tell you that God has designed you for such a time as this. There's something that God has for you to do. And let me tell you, what makes the difference? The cross of Calvary. You say, but I can't speak the cross of Calvary. Listen, I can't teach the cross of Calvary. Listen, I don't know what to do. The cross of Calvary, it changes it all. When you see Jesus Christ and you see his love for us when he died on the cross for our sins on our behalf, it changes everything. For such a time as this. God had prepared Joseph for a certain time and a certain place. God has also prepared you for a certain time and a certain place. You may not know what it is, but I want to encourage you, dear friend. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Your job is to let Calvary stay close. Never get over Calvary. Keep yourself available. It may be that God has prepared things in your life. So that way when he's ready to use it, you have it available. It's you that he wants to use for such 
a time as this. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.